Thanks so much for joining us here on the Rivers Church Podcast. We see a church full of passionate people who reach the unchurched with the gospel of Jesus. Our heart is to equip people to love, live, and lead in God's kingdom. We hope you enjoyed today's message and pray that it encourages you to be all that God has destined you to be. If you need anything, please feel free to reach out to us and check us out on our website at riverschurch.co. That's riverschurch.co. I always love looking at different versions and translations. It can be uh, kind of refreshing to do that. And um, I just want to pray. Before you're seated, I'd love for you to join me in prayer. And I want to actually, before we pray, let me just say, uh, just really just love gathering with you, worshiping with you. Just a, a great, um, you, you done? You done playing? Oh, we're going to keep playing here for a little bit long. Yeah. We're gonna pray. We're gonna pray. And the and <laughs> now what I say is gonna sound so much more spiritual. Right? Now how that works. <laughs> Thank you. Sorry about that. Um, just love getting together and worshiping with you. And just there's a presence of God that's here, that just an atmosphere of worship. I love that. And what God is doing in and through so many of you that I know and and those that I don't know. I look forward to getting to know you and hearing what God is doing in and through your life. Um, In the middle of that, I don't know if you heard, Amy just felt like she had a public tongues. So she just burst out. And some of you that know Amy, you might have thought, well, that's Amy. Um, But we've we've talked about things like it's important that uh, if you feel like you have a public tongues, that you just let it go loud. Um, if it's not a public tongues, don't don't draw a distraction to yourself because we want people to worship Jesus and not all of a sudden be like looking at you, like what on earth is going on here? But she felt like that was a public tongue for interpretation. Maybe someone all of a sudden felt like, oh, I got something to share, an interpretation of that. Unfortunately, the worship team with their in-ears and all this kind of stuff, they didn't hear that, um, but that took place. And I just only speak to that in case you heard it, but also to say we believe in the gifts here. It's in the Bible. First Corinthians 12 and 14 speak to tongues, public tongues, interpretation of tongues. That can happen when God's people get together. It's pretty cool. When God uses us in these gifts he's given us to encourage other people. And I just want to give you permission to use the gifts that God has given you. You're a follower of Jesus. You have gifts that he has given you. I just want to encourage you to walk in those. I, I just want to see you released in your God-given gifts. And we just want to be all about the spiritual gifts that God has given us because you and I grow as we use those and we help other people grow. We encourage other people. It's just fun to do that and be a part of that together. That's what community is all about. So I just wanted to say that and also wanted to pray. So let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for today. And uh, we just want to just surrender ourselves to you right now in this moment. But I know that within me, I often have so much selfishness that I just get in the way of what you want to do, what you want to speak to me, Lord. I, I ask for forgiveness. I confess that, Lord, and I just say, move me out of the way so that you can move. Lord, would you kill the selfishness in my life? Lord, for all of us, I pray that, Lord, that our selfishness, Lord, our, our desires, our longings that get in the way of what you want to do in us and through us, Lord, I pray that those would die so that what you have for us could grow and thrive and come alive. I pray that would take place in these next few moments, Lord. I believe that your word is going to bring life to us as we let it. Lord, I believe that your word is going to release new things in us as we let you speak to us and we receive these things. And so, Lord, Lord, we get out of the way so that you can move. Lord, would you use every word that I speak, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Thank you, Autumn. That was awesome. So much better. Hey, we're in a series called The Jesus Movement. I don't know if you heard about The Jesus Movement. Everybody, anybody heard of The Jesus Movement back in the late 60s, early 70s? Maybe some of you were a part of it. If so, that's cool. I'd love to talk to you. I love studying and reading about the Jesus Movement of the late 60s, 
early 70s. It was a fascinating time within our country. Like just the history of our country, the climate that was going on politically, socially, racially, all of that fascinating time in the late 60s. Some of you might say fascinating is an interesting word that you chose, but I think it was fascinating just to see what was going on. 1967 was declared the summer of love. Anybody heard that or remember that? The summer of love. So this is when the hippie movement is full on in the 60s. Our country is about four years removed from the assassination of JFK. The social justice movement is in full swing. Martin Luther King Jr. is leading rallies all over. And there are also uh, rallies that are uh, trying to get the, the Vietnam War stopped. They're protesting against the Vietnam War. All of that is happening in 1967. It's also when the Beatles released their famous album, what was it called? Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. This is the summer of love, 1967. And if you are interested in that time and that era, I, I encourage you to watch the documentary that CNN put out a few years ago called 1968. It's a pivotal year for our country. Just fascinating to see all that was going on. But in 1967, in the midst of all of that, wouldn't you know the spirit of God began to move in a new way? It took place on the West Coast first, where all of a sudden a group of people in San Francisco and down in L.A. and on the beach, it was all these hippies that were searching for meaning in life and just pursuing love and drugs and all of that. They began finding Jesus and they found this love and this hope and this freedom in Jesus like they'd never experienced before. And they began telling their friends and the spirit of God began to move through the hippies. Hundreds of thousands of people got saved during the Jesus movement. They began to come to churches. Churches didn't know what to do with them. Some churches embraced them like, you look weird, you kind of look like Jesus. But you look weird like, well, they, some churches rejected them, didn't want anything to do with them because of how they looked and how they acted. And, but nonetheless, they were after Jesus. Even though the church rejected a lot of them, a lot of them were just like, oh, that's fine. We'll go worship Jesus somewhere else because I know Jesus is real. And uh, it was this amazing time, an amazing era in our country. Do you know there's actually a movie coming out next month about it? The Jesus Revolution. Have you seen the trailer? It's a super cool trailer. Go watch the trailer. I can't wait to watch the movie because, again, I love studying this part of, of history and love reading stories about it. Like I read the story just this last week about this couple that bought a it was either a house or a storefront in the Haight-Ashbury district in San Francisco, which was like epicenter for a lot of craziness in the late 60s, early 70s. They bought this, this place, and it became a space where people just would flock to. They would gather. They would hang out. And they were leading 20 people a week to Jesus in this place. God was moving in the middle of Haight-Ashbury as all this other stuff was happening. I mean, this was the Jesus movement. And I would love to see a Jesus movement again, wouldn't you? I believe that our country is at a place. We're poised. There's an atmosphere, a, a climate where people are ready to hear about and receive Jesus. So what are we going to do about it? I'm just praying, I'm longing, I'm praying and fasting in this season of prayer and fasting that we're doing right now. I'm praying for God to move in a new way. It might look different. I think God is having to rip out more selfishness out of me so that I can be the man that he wants me to be in leading through this. I think there's some selfishness that he wants to rip out of us. There's some expectation of what we want God to do so that he can do what he wants to do in and through us as a church and in our country today. I believe that God is gonna move, wants to move, and I wanna be a part of it. I wanna see another Jesus movement. That it was originally called the Jesus People Movement. They were all called Jesus Freaks. I wouldn't mind being called a Jesus Freak. I think that'd be a compliment, wouldn't you? A Jesus Freak. So what's it gonna take? How, how can we see another Jesus movement? Well, really, we've got to as followers of Jesus, we got to be all in. We got to be passionate in our commitment to him. We've got to really, as Jesus called us, die to ourselves and, and find life in him and live for him. And we've got to live this spirit empowered life that he wants us to live. So last week we left off at Acts 1.8. I want to pick up where we left off last week. Acts 1 verse 8, Jesus said to his disciples, but you will receive power. 
when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. What if this became the year that you began to tell Jesus, tell people about Jesus everywhere you went? What if this became the year that you lived out Acts 1.8? The Spirit of God comes upon you and empowers you to be a witness and you begin to share about Jesus everywhere you go. I believe that's why the Spirit of God wants to, to fill you. This is what Jesus is telling his disciples. Go to Jerusalem, wait for this. You're gonna be baptized with fire. You're gonna be baptized with the Holy Spirit so that you can be witnesses everywhere you go. And so the disciples, they did that. They went and they waited and they prayed. They had this 10-day prayer meeting. They prayed, they waited, they prayed, they waited. All of a sudden, the Spirit of God fell and they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. And then Peter walks outside and he delivers a sermon. Now, you got to understand that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not meant to give you another, just a prayer language or speaking in tongues. The purpose of it is to empower you to be a witness. And that's exactly what happened immediately to these disciples. Like Peter, who was scared to talk about Jesus to a little girl just a month before, stands up in front of thousands and delivers a sermon and 3,000 people get saved. And as you read through the rest of the book of Acts, you see the Spirit empowers all these followers and almost everything takes place outside. It takes place outdoors. As you read through the book of Acts, and I'm telling you guys, if we're going to see a Jesus movement, most of what we see take place is going to be God using us out there and out there and out there and everywhere. Not here. Not here. It's going to be out there. The Spirit of God wants to move on you everywhere you go. He wants to empower you to be a witness. And so that's what the disciples did. They took this seriously. They, they received this power, and then they went, and they lived an empowered life, and they were full-on disciples uh, of Jesus. They took seriously what Jesus said to them earlier, go and make disciples. Go. Go and make disciples. They didn't wait. They didn't go and, and start church services and hope people would join them. They, they went. They Go and make disciples was the calling of Jesus, and so that's exactly what they did. See, here's the deal, guys. We can't change the world by going to church, but we can change the world by being the church, and that's the goal. Now, going to church is important. This is good. We need this. But what's going to change the world, what, what's going to change people's lives is you and I being the church so that they see Jesus in us and they can experience the power of Jesus through us, through our, through our words, through our prayers, through our actions, through our sharing. We are called to be the church. So this is important. We like to call this meeting right here, this is a locker room moment, right? Like sports they have a locker room moment. And the locker room's important, but it's not the game, right? Like yesterday, I'm sure we all watched the Seahawks game. I'm sure everybody watched that. The first half, incredible. Seahawks look great. We might pull this off. Second half, nope, not gonna happen. Okay, the 49ers walked all over the Seahawks. It was awful. But when you talk about football games and other sports games, you never talk about the locker room moment. You talk about how the game went, right? But the locker room was important for that team. Because a locker room is where you get together and you remind each other, this is what we're doing. This is what we're all about. Here's the strategy. Here's the plays. Here's the plan. Let's encourage each other up. Let's pump each other up. Come on, let's go, let's go, let's go. Let's go do this. And so then they go and play the game. And that's what it's all about. This is the locker room. I want to encourage you. I want to pump you up. I want to talk strategy. I want to talk about what are we called to do? Who are we called to be? Okay, ready? One, two, three, break. Let's go and let's live this thing because we're meant to be the church. And the church really exists Monday through Saturday. That's what really makes us being the church. It's not just about the gathering because Jesus didn't die on the cross so you and I could attend church services for the rest of our life. The church is not about a meeting. It's a movement. Jesus started a movement and it really began on Acts chapter two when the spirit fell down on those original disciples in that upper room as they were praying for 10 days. That's when the original Jesus movement began. And it's been moving ever since. You and I are here today because those disciples began to take the gospel and they were witnesses everywhere they went. The gospel continues to spread. And that's why you and I happen to be here today. So we just want to continue the movement that Jesus started. It's fun to talk about what Jesus did here in our country in the late 60s, early 70s, but we want to see it again. We want to see God move again in your life and in your family and in this country. Come on, we need Jesus. 
And so we don't want to just have meetings. We want to see a movement because that's what the church was meant to be. All right. So that means you and I have to take seriously this call. Go and make disciples. Go. We're called to, to go. We're called to go and not just have church services. We're not even called to go and have, make converts. We're not even called to go and make believers. We're called to go and make disciples. It's an important distinction. So when you and I say yes to Jesus, what we're saying yes to is being a disciple of his, right? I'm his disciple. A disciple is a learner, someone who grows to and learns how to follow their teacher, their rabbi. That's what a disciple is. And so that's what we are today. And so it's important for us to understand what does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus? Some of us here maybe have never said yes to Jesus. We've never entered into that discipleship relationship with Jesus. And if you've never said yes, then I just want to pause right here and just encourage you to make the greatest decision of your life. We're all looking for hope. We're all looking for purpose. Like, why are we here? What's the meaning of life? Can I just say it's found in Jesus? He created you. He gave you life. He loves you. He's got purpose for you. I'd encourage you today to do what we just sang about. Run to him. Come to him today because in Jesus is all the life, all the hope, all the purpose, all the fulfillment, all the satisfaction that you and I could ever find. It's all in Jesus because he created us for him to have relationship with him. You and I all need Jesus. That's why we were made. And so I'd encourage you to make today the day you say yes to Jesus. And then when we say yes to Jesus, we're becoming a disciple of his or disciple of Jesus. So what does it mean to be a disciple? We've defined it here at Rivers Church, and I just think it's important for us to be on the same page on defining discipleship. This is what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. I'm committed to following Jesus. I'm being changed by Jesus. I'm led by the spirit of Jesus, and I'm living on the mission of Jesus. This is the comprehensive definition of disciple right here, all these things. We want to be committed to following Jesus for the rest of our life, committed to him. We want to allow him to change us, to transform us from the inside out as we become more and more like him as we're growing in maturity. We want to be led by the spirit of Jesus. We want to go where he leads us. We want to experience the life that he has for us. That's being led by the spirit. And then we want to live on the mission of Jesus. This is the calling that all of us have. To live in that place of all those things. And the the area that we often miss out on is living on the mission of Jesus. What's that mean? To live on the mission of Jesus essentially means that I live out this great commission that Jesus has given me. I'm, I'm on mission with my life sharing about Jesus with everybody that I come in contact with or whoever he lays on my heart to share with. I'm a witness for Jesus. That's being on mission for him. That's on the mission of Jesus. And so when it comes to being a disciple, this is what we would say. Be one and make one. Disciple. Be a disciple and make a disciple. Be one and make one. Like, think about this. What if this was the year that you led someone to faith in Jesus and you began to help them grow in that relationship with Jesus? How incredible would that be? Do you know that God wants you to experience that? Do you know that there's somebody out there that they don't know it yet, but they want you to share Jesus with them so that they can find hope and life and freedom in him. And they will thank you forever. If you and I step out and share our faith and share Jesus with them, what if this became the year that you actually, you and I helped people grow in their relationship with Jesus? You know, for the last six years, I've been on this journey. It's been a really fun journey for me. It's been uh, full of ups and downs, just learning a lot. And the journey is this, basically this question I've been wrestling with. How do we disciple Christians in the American church? I have wrestled with this. I've been studying about this. I've been reading about this. I've been uh, going to mentors and conferences and and going to search out different places, flying to places to find out how do we really disciple 
Christians in the American church. Because here's what I feel. I feel like the discipleship that we have going overall is, is good, but it's not holistic. It's not comprehensive. We got some good discipleship going, but I really believe and sense in my heart that there's more. There's more. And as I've learned and grown and, and, and just seen lots of stuff, this is a, a growing conviction that I have within me, is that we are educated beyond our obedience in the American church. We're educated way beyond our obedience. We know a lot of what we're supposed to do and how we're supposed to live, but we just don't do it. We're more into learning than living. We love to hear good teachings and go deep into scripture. Come on, Tyrone, let's go back into a book of the Bible again, which we will this year. I think we're going to hit Jonah this year, which is super fun. Like, just go deep. I just want to learn the word. We love to learn, but we struggle living this thing out. We're, we're educated beyond our obedience. And I see that a lot. I know I've been there for years and years and years and years. And I'm saying, God, help me. Help me. Like, I know what you've called me to do, but I'm, I'm struggling. Help me to, to live this thing out. Help us as a community to live this thing out, Lord. How can we disciple people to walk in obedience to everything you've called us to walk in? You know, James said something interesting. He's the, the brother of Jesus. He grew up with Jesus as his brother and then became a believer in Jesus after he saw Jesus rise from the dead. And he said this, James 4, remember, it is a sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. I think there's one thing that a lot of Christians are walking in disobedience to. One major thing that is holding the church, holding all of us back in our life with Jesus. And I would call it a sin of omission, which is what James is speaking to here. Like we know we should do it, but we don't do it. We omit it from our life. So it's a sin of omission. There's sins of commission that we commit, and there's sins of omission. There's one thing that I think that is holding us back, that is keeping the church from gaining ground like we should, and it's because we're pretty comfortable with where we're at with our life, and so we just kind of feel good about like, okay, I know Jesus, and I'm just growing, and so we're more into what I would call churchianity than Christianity. I'm more into just like going to church and doing the church thing instead of Jesus. How have you called me to live my life? I'm willing to lay down my life for you, Jesus, more than just going to church on a Sunday, which we, again, we need. We need this. We, we, we need to gather together, but then we need to go, right? It's gather and, and go, but too often we're more into our comfort than this calling that Jesus has given us. And because of that, we're disobeying Jesus in one major thing. And what is that? And I think for most of us, we want to obey Jesus in every area. We want to see the power of God. Like, we want to see miracles take place. We want to lead people to Jesus, but we struggle to step out of the boat and trust him and, and step out of our comfort zone and really go for it. Because we know it requires radical trust and radical obedience. But I think this one area is really holding a lot of Christians back. And we are not obeying the Great Commission. It is a sin of omission in the church today at least within Western culture. We have made it okay to pray a sinner's prayer, attend church, get in a small group, and enjoy the rest of your life. But we have neglected the part of, uh, of discipleship that says now you're called to go and reach other people and help them grow in their relationship with Jesus. So that's really the false promise of discipleship that we've communicated. Discipleship is all about you and you growing and finding the freedom that Jesus has for you. That's true, and that's pretty awesome, right? Like we can celebrate that. Like Jesus wants you to walk in freedom. He has an abundant life for you. That's part of discipleship. Then the other part of discipleship is now you need to take that message of Jesus and go let Jesus use you to see other people's lives change and then take them under your wing and help them grow. Disciple them. That's the other aspect of Jesus. It's the mission of Jesus that we're missing out on. We are disobeying. We have omitted this out of our discipleship. We have omitted this out of our life. And therefore, when I talk about things like this, some of us get pretty uncomfortable. Can I make you feel a little bit more uncomfortable? Okay, a couple of you said yes, so I'll go for it. Thank you. How many people have you led to Jesus this last year? 
Can I go further? You're like, no, Tyrone, please stop, please stop. Okay, I just speak this not because I want to condemn you. I really want to spark something inside of you. I want to see the Spirit of God ignite something inside of you that lets you know there is more. There is more. That God has placed his Spirit inside of you and empowered you to be a witness. Some of you say, I could never lead someone to Jesus. I could never disciple somebody. The Spirit of God lives inside of you, and yes, you can. Yes, you can. Because he will help you. And by the way, we want to help equip you in this. I'd love for this to be a year that you pray for people more than ever publicly on the spot, that you just step out and you just begin praying for them. I serve a God who heals. Come on, let's pray right now. I'd love for this to be a year where you begin to share your faith in Jesus more than ever before. And I stand before you right now and I want to publicly just commit to doing this with you. I haven't been perfect in this, guys. If I were honest with you, for too many years, I've been a professional Christian. Maybe you can identify with that. Like, I do everything. I mean, I'm just doing God's work, but it's all revolves around inside the four walls of the church. And how many people outside of the walls of the church as I live my life have I shared my faith in Jesus with? Not enough. But for this last year, I made a commitment. I'm going for it. I'm doing this. Now, I'll be honest, it required me finding accountability and coaching. But I can honestly stand up here and say this last year, I shared my faith in Jesus personally in one year more than I have the entire duration of my life with Jesus. And I'm seeing Jesus open doors. I'm seeing incredible things take place. I I love how Jesus is using me. I just want to pray that over you, that this would be a year that you let the Spirit fill you with boldness, and that you step out in faith and you begin to share your faith in Jesus. Can I share with you a quick story? It's from our friend Jillian. Jillian's here this morning somewhere. Jillian said this. She said that she joined our, you know, she's newer to our community. Some of you may not know her, but if you went on the ladies retreat this fall, you know her. She was there. Uh, but she joined our Disciple Maker Training Center that we started a couple months ago. And she texted me and Amy this message just this last week. And she said, hey, good morning. I wanted to share a tidbit with you guys. It's amazing how God has been all of a sudden bringing people of peace into our lives since we started Disciple Maker. This term people of peace is what we talk about. These people that are just open and ready to receive Jesus. They're open to at least just even talking about him or the meaning of life and all that. They're open to spiritual things. That's a people of peace or person of peace. And here's what we've learned is that oftentimes it takes you and I sharing our story or sharing our faith in Jesus like 20 times before we find one person of peace. But they're out there. The harvest is ready, guys. It takes you and I stepping out and just finding where's God moving? Where's who has God already been preparing for me to help grow in their relationship with Jesus? And so we got to keep stepping out, keep stepping out. And we get rejected sometimes. That's okay. They're not rejecting us rejecting him. We're at the very least just planting seeds then. Planted a seed there, planted a seed there, planted a seed there. Okay, they don't want to talk about Jesus. Okay, they don't want anything to do with me now. Okay, Jesus, I just did my best. I planted a seed. All of a sudden, somebody opens up and says, you know, I was thinking about Jesus just the other day. Tell me more. You're like, oh, really? Oh. And in your, in your head, you're just like mind blown, like, oh, God, here we go. Oh, God, what do I say now? I have no idea what to say now. This has never happened to me before. And that's a person of peace. And we want to equip you to be ready to know what to say and what to do. This is what Disciple Maker is all about. And so Jillian goes on to say, she said, uh, God has all of a sudden been bringing people of peace into our lives since we started Disciple Maker. It's amazing when you begin to pray for things, how it begins to happen. (laughs) You know, she says, I'm so excited about my friend who's very close to being saved. I was reflecting on how I've been a Christian for years and have never been this close to helping someone find Jesus such a fast and immediate way. Thank you guys for leading this and for following God's direction. My prayer is that I would hear that story, get that text, get that email over and over and over and over and over and over again this year because you guys are being used by the Holy Spirit. All of a sudden, he leads you to the right person. You're like, okay, God, here we go. And you can lovingly lead them to Jesus and help disciple them. 
What if this began, became the year that you led one or two people to Jesus and entered into a discipleship relationship with them? How incredible would that be? I guarantee you that would be, uh, outside of maybe having your own child and all this, that would be like the greatest thing you could ever experience. Like you could even get a raise this year. I promise you, you'd be more excited about leading someone to Jesus and discipling them. It will be, it will be in you greater fulfillment than anything else in your life. There's something about this that Jesus wants us to not just think about ourselves and our own growth. He's like, I'm calling you to me and then I'm sending you out to them. That's the calling that he has for us. We're called to relationship and intimacy with him, to grow in him, to learn more about him. And that alone is amazing and exciting. That alone is life changing. Then he says, now I'm sending you out too. It's a calling inward and a calling to go. And if you lead someone to Jesus, begin to disciple him, it'll be the greatest part of your year, I promise you. And what if we begin to think of ourselves as missionaries? We want to see a Jesus movement? Then we would look at ourselves as, I'm a missionary. Sent on an assignment by God. What's the old quote? I want a mission from God. I'm on a mission from God. Like in a real way, though. Not in a movie way. I'm on a mission from God. What if we began to view ourselves as missionaries? This is why this phrase of who I believe God is calling us to be is is becoming very important to us. We want to be a Jesus-centered, spirit-led, loving community of missionaries. Originally, I wrote down believers. But I scratched that and I sensed God was calling us not to be just believers, but missionaries. We want to be all about Jesus led by the spirit of Jesus and be on mission for him. So we want to be missionaries, a loving community of missionaries. Do you think that God gave you that place to live just so you could have a roof over your head, have a place to sleep and have a fridge so you can put all the food that you want to eat in? Or did he place you there also because there are people living right around you that need the hope of Jesus? And he's just waiting for you to go. Go. We can't wait for them to come to us. The first disciples didn't wait for people to come to them. They went. Do you think that God gave you your jobs just so you can make a paycheck? Or do you think there's coworkers that need to find life in Jesus and he's waiting for that moment to fill you with boldness and you're going to step out and you're going to witness about Jesus? I think that God has got a higher calling on our life than we often realize. And it's way more than just living life, making money, having a family, you know, all that kind of stuff. There is a kingdom calling to our life that brings greater fulfillment and greater purpose than we could ever find in just this earthly experience that we have. And it's you and I living for Jesus and being about his kingdom business and sharing our faith in him everywhere we go, praying for people and seeing the power of God move. Like God is just waiting for you and I to step out and pray and share so that he can show up and show off. That's what he's waiting for. And so I think it'd be good for us to view ourselves as missionaries. You're a missionary. You're a missionary. You're a missionary. You're a missionary. Everywhere you go, you're a missionary. And how do we do this? We're going to live out the mission that Jesus has given us. Love people. Live like Jesus, and lead others to him. That's our mission. We just want to live this thing out. And so our discipleship journey that we're going on is going to be more than just, let's figure out how to love each other and be a loving community and, and grow in our, in our faith and our walk with Jesus to live like Jesus. We want to go to that next place, lead others to him. Because that's the ultimate calling that we all have. Lead others to him. You don't have to be a gifted speaker at all. You just got to be you. And God will use you and your words and your story. He'll use you right where you are at. You are perfect for God to use. Even in your imperfections, you're perfect. God wants to use you as a missionary. So here's the simple goal we have is we really want to go on a journey all together. Everyone connected to Rivers Church, we want to take you on this journey. And the simple goal, there's kind of two goals, but the simple goal is first this. 
We want to see you get in a group and find a place to serve. Those two things. Get in a group, find a place to serve. And here's why I want you to get in a group and find a place to serve. Because I know that when you do that, and if you're doing both those things, you will grow. I promise you. We cannot grow when we're in isolation. We cannot grow on our own. I, I should say we can, but not as much as God wants us to grow and you really want to grow. We grow best in community. So get in a group and serve. So uh, find a place to serve. If you don't know where to serve yet, come tonight to team night. We can help plug you into one of the different teams, one of the different ministries, and you can just check them out. It's a safe way to check them out. But team night is tonight, by the way. We haven't talked about it, but it's a big deal for us. Hey there. As we're like we want everybody, everybody room, connected to Rivers Church. If you want to be a part of what's going on here at Rivers Church, so much come tonight, team night, Rivers 6 o'clock, child care provided. Online. We hope that and I'm going to share at home some new things, good, some strategies, some, some fun things. we got a free gift. And before you just go, a little gift. Love so for you don't take a moment. Huge. And but we do have a gift. we got a free gift for everyone that comes. We'd love to... <laughs> when I said that, all of a sudden, I had this picture of like, this is the gift? I don't, come on, you know. It's cool. You'll like it. It's a free gift. All right. Only for those who come now. Okay, so team night tonight big deal. It's going to be fun. One of these. We'll share more so of this right Jesus-centered, spirit-led, loving community of missionaries. We're going to talk about that a little bit more. But we just want to help you find a place to serve because that'll be one of the ways that you grow and you help God's people and God's church and God's kingdom grow. We want you to get into a group. So there's a bunch of groups going on right now. There's one for you. There's one that will help you. It's just important that we get into community. And so I don't know if we've got the winter group graphic, but there's a bunch of the other there. So there's like these six options going on right now. We got Monday Men, Oasis for Young Adults, Knowing God, Seniors, Go Groups, and Tuesday Night Prayer. I'd love for you to get in one of those at least this winter. Just get in a group. And there's three groups that we do periodically on a rotation basis that we want everybody to do at least once. It's three groups. We call these grow groups. So they are the Freedom Course, the Prayer Lab, and Knowing God. It's those three groups. Freedom Course, Prayer Lab, and Knowing God. And we're doing one, of, one and a half of those this winter. The one we're launching in a couple weeks is called Knowing God. If you've never done that group, it's really a theology of God. Who is God? 101. It's a really good group. We're doing spiritual practices and formation stuff. As we go through this book, I, I, we just love this group. And we believe it's so important. We want everybody in the church to do all of these groups at least once. Do we have the list of those groups, by the way? Freedom Course, Prayer Lab. Have those. Okay, so Knowing God is one of those three, and that's being offered in two weeks. On two Wednesdays, January 25th is when that starts. The other one, I said we have one and a half groups, right? Did you catch that? One and a half groups. The other one is we're doing the prayer lab, kind of. It's mini prayer lab. That's what we're calling it, right? Mini prayer lab. So if you want to show up Tuesday night for prayer at 7, uh, but you want to do the prayer lab, you can come at 6.15. Come earlier, and you want to grow in hearing God's voice. You want to grow in using the gifts he's given you. Maybe you know you've got a prophetic gift. Then we want to encourage you to go at 6.15 early to prayer for the mini prayer lab. So it's not the full prayer lab, but it's the mini prayer lab. So we say we're doing one and a half of these. This winter, but it's just a great option for, for you if you want to do that. And for all of you, just invite all of you. Come Tuesday night to prayer. Come and join us. If you want dinner, show up at 6:30. We got dinner provided for, for everybody. Somebody paid for all the dinner for everybody last Tuesday. If you would like to help pay for it this Tuesday, let us know. And uh, you can bless all those people that show up early. A bunch of people showed up early for dinner and then stayed for prayer. So it's a great, great Tuesday. We're gonna do that again this Tuesday night, seven o'clock for prayer. And then that other group, Knowing God, there's a, there's a bunch of groups. So whatever group you, you want to be a part of, get into it. I just wanna encourage you to be in a group and serve. Okay, so that's the simple goal, right? Well, what's the ultimate goal? The ultimate goal is that all of us would be disciple-making disciples. That's the ultimate goal. We want to help get you to that place. We want, I want to equip you. I want to encourage you. I want to see the Spirit empower you to be a disciple-making disciple. As you get into that place and you're like, Lord, 
Why did I not do this sooner? Lord, thank you for using me. Some of you, you don't believe that God can use you to reach other people, but he can. God can use anybody. The ultimate goal is that we'd be a disciple-making disciple. And the reason for that is because this is what Jesus has called us all to do, right? So we just want to live this thing out like Jesus has called us to live. We don't want discipleship to be all about us. We want to grow, but we want to help other people grow. That's the goal. So how do I be a disciple-making disciple? Maybe you're wondering that. Sounds good and all, but how do I do this? Let me just give you a few ideas right now of what you can do. Number one, parents, disciple your kids. But disciple them not just to know Jesus, but to, to share their faith in Jesus, to talk about Jesus, to pray for people, to disciple them to help other people as well. So parents, disciple your kids. The second one would be start a go group. That was one of the other groups that we listened, right? Like when are the go groups going on? Well, they're going on whenever you want it to go on because you can start your own go group anywhere, anytime with anybody you want. Go for it. A go group is basically a simple Bible study that you can lead, anybody can lead it. It's so simple. It requires no preparation other than knowing what the questions are to ask after you read a passage. Anybody can lead this. You don't need a theology degree. And you can start a go group with somebody who's interested in Jesus. You find a person of peace, you wanna talk more about Jesus and maybe let's, let's read the Bible and see what we can learn from the Bible. All right, let's do that. And you can start a go group with that one person. Maybe there's a couple coworkers you can start a, a go group with during your lunch break altogether. You can start your own go group anywhere with anybody. And that would be cool. You want help with that? Let us know. We will help you explain that and train you on how to do that. You could join Disciple Maker. Some of you have sensed God calling you to do that. Uh, we have two training centers going right now and we'll launch a third one sometime. It's not open right now, so you can't join Disciple Maker right now. But we will open another training center soon. I'm sure of it. The other thing is you could launch what I would call a missional community. And this is, maybe you want to do a go group, but you want to do it with a few people. Maybe a couple of couples could come together and like, let's launch a go group together. Let's do this together. Because it can be more fun to do it together, right? Let's do this together in our neighborhood and let's try to reach our neighbors. It's a missional community. It's not just a Bible study where we grow and we, we think Jesus what we learn, then we go and live our life. No, it's the purpose of let's invite people who don't know Jesus, who would be interested in just reading the Bible and talking about it. It's a missional community. It's living on mission is really the purpose of that. So those are just a few ways that you and I can be a disciple-making disciple. I believe, guys, with all my heart, that the next move of God is going to come through discipleship. It's going to come through men and women who are empowered by the Spirit, who share their faith, who enter a discipleship relationship with people and begin discipling them. Even before they believe, they can find faith in Jesus, they begin leading other people to Jesus, and that's going to be a movement of discipleship. It is happening all across the globe. And I believe that God is preparing people right now in our country for that to take place here and now. And I want to be a part of it. But it's you and I being the church. It's being the church. It's you and I coming together, gathering, encouraging one another and say, ready, break, let's go live this thing out. And we go as bold, empowered witnesses and share Jesus and pray for people and live this thing out. You want to see a Jesus movement? You want to be a part of a Jesus movement? That's how it's going to happen. That's what I believe God is in the beginnings of doing as I've been studying discipleship. This is what I've found is that there's disciple-making movements happening all across the globe that are larger than any church that we would ever see in our country or in the world. They're just It's regular people leading people to Jesus and there's this movement, this network of churches and believers and it's beginning to happen in the United States. Just beginning. And I just want to be a part of it. So, let me just give you a few thoughts here before we go because this is important. If you're taking notes, write this down. Some of you, start taking notes right now. Write this down. Okay, just a few things. How do we see a Jesus movement? How are we going to see God move in a new and fresh way? Number one, it starts with desire. What are we going to pursue and desire with our life? What are we going after? What is it that we want to experience in life? You know that your desires determine direction? You know that? Desires determine direction. 
Your life is going in a direction based upon what you desire. So it begins with desire. Do I really want God to move? Do I really want God to do something new in my life? Do I really want God to do something new in the church? Or am I content with where I'm at? What do I desire? You think about your desires. Like, why do you desires desire the things you desire? You ever thought about this? Like, why do you want certain things? Why did you request certain gifts for Christmas? Why did your kids request certain gifts for Christmas? Like they desired something. Why is it? Is it because they were reading the word of God and the word of and God spoke to them that they should have that? Or is it outside influences that speak to us? All these messages that we receive, like you need this, you want this, you gotta have this, your life will be changed if you buy this shampoo, you know, y'all this. We have all these advertising, all these messages telling us you want, you want, you need, you want, you want, you want, you want, you want. What if our desires begin to align more with God's word and what he wants us to desire? And so our desires determine direction. It really starts with, like we can pray for revival and for a Jesus movement all we want, but if we don't desire it, it won't happen. So what do I, what am I really longing for? What do I desire in my life? And then number two is prayer. Every move of God begins with prayer, friends. You want to see God do something new in your life in this season, in this year? Hit your knees. Call out to God. Begin crying out to God like never before. You want to see God move in your workplace? You want to begin calling out your coworkers by name on your knees in the presence of God. Begin interceding for them. You want to see people in your neighborhood find Jesus, begin praying for them by name and watch what God does. Every move of God begins with prayer. That's why I love that we're praying for two things right now collectively. We talked about this last week. But every day, I'm encouraging us to stop twice a day. And I love that Pastor John Mark at the end said, pull out your phone, put your reminders on. Did those reminders go off for you this week? I hope so. I was praying with you that uh, we would pray for these two things, 9.35 to 38 a.m. or p.m., we're praying for a burden. The harvest is there, but do we desire it? Do we have a burden for people? Are we going to be one of those workers that responds for the harvest? So a burden for people like Jesus had a burden for people. That's connected to Matthew 9.35 through verse 38. Then at 4.29 through 4.30, we're praying for boldness. Holy Spirit, fill us with boldness. I'm, I'm praying so hard for you guys all week long. God, fill me, fill us with boldness. Let me to step out and be a witness. God, stretch out your hand and perform great and mighty deeds. As I step out in faith, God, I'm scared, but I'm going to do it. I'm scared. I just love that. Sometimes we've got to do it scared, right? God, you're giving me enough boldness to do it. Here we go. And God's like, all right, now I can show up. Show off. So we're praying those two things twice a day. I just want to say in humility, let's ask for those things. The burden for boldness. The third thing is a witness, guys. If we don't witness for Jesus, we won't see Jesus move in and through our lives. The purpose of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, again, is not tongues and all that kind of stuff. That's a gift that he wants to give us. But the purpose is boldness, empowerment to be a witness. So I want to pray that over you again today. And then we need to see discipleship. We'll talk more and more about this. Discipleship, I really believe the key is it's an obedience-based discipleship, not just an information-based discipleship. It's helped me to live out this word of God. Let's hold each other accountable. Let's move forward in this. Let's walk in obedience to God's word. Let's not just grow and learn about God's word. And then it's training. It's all these, all these things. Desire, prayer. I got a witness. We got a witness. Discipleship. And then training, because if we're going to sustain a move of God, we got to keep training and equipping each other to do this. So we can talk more about that stuff in the future, but I want to share this quote with you as we close. In fact, I got two quotes for you. Two quotes for you. I've really become a fan of this, this old dude named A.W. Tozier. I've heard about him and I've read quotes from before, but now I'm finally reading his books and he's just rocking my world. And now I'm like a A.W. Tozier disciple. He says this, he says, our mistake, let's go to that one first. Our mistake is that we want God to send revival on our terms. We want to get the power of God into our hands. 
to call it to us that it may work for us in promoting and furthering our kind of Christianity. We want still to be in charge, guiding the chariot through the religious sky in the direction that we want it to go, shouting glory to God. When really it's about glory to us is really what he's saying, right? We want it in our terms. We make it about us, more about us than about God. For that, we need to ask for forgiveness and repent and say, God, I don't want to make this about you. He also said this. I don't think this is on the screen, but um, we are calling on God to send fire on our altars, completely ignoring the fact that they are our altars and not God's. And then he said this in another book. He said, each believer has the potential to light a spark that sets the world ablaze. That's why you're dangerous. Acts is the story of the Spirit of God raging like an out-of-control forest fire in a people who have been consumed with what consumes him. I love that. Let's stand to our feet. And I pray that we'd catch the spirit of what A.W. Tozer there is saying. And we catch the spirit of what Jesus is calling us to. Thanks again for listening to this message at Rivers Church. We'd love to have you subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already. To learn more about what's going on in the life of our church community, check us out at riverschurch.co. I pray that this week you would walk in the power and the presence of God. Thanks for joining us.